Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Hi, good morning. Okay, first and foremost, I want to say a huge happy birthday to Dana Slager. Where are you, Dana? There you are in the back. Happy birthday. Dana is our Director of Operations and just all-round amazingness. We love her so much, and it's her birthday today. So if you see her in the lobby, make sure you give her a prophetic word, bless her socks off. Um, We love you, Dana, and we pray this year is a year of blessing and favour on your life. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Okay, we're going to start this morning with a declaration. I like to start with declarations. One of the reasons is sometimes we can just get in the zone of doing church. You know, we just get into the rhythms of it. But when we make declarations and have to open our mouth and put our agreement behind it, kind of takes us out of that that zone, if you will, that routine, and it sets our hearts and it sets our intentions to receive from Jesus, amen? So let's read this together. Can we do it? Can you grab your Bibles for me or your phones or whatever it is that you read the Word on and hold it up with me and let's read together. I love my Bible. I believe that it is the Word of God. I believe I am who He says I am. I believe in its power to transform my life. I know that God will meet me in these pages. My heart is open to receive and I boldly declare I will never be the same. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you, Jesus. All right. Lord, I uh, was kept awake a lot last night. I wish it was for amazing, holy disruptions and downloads from the Lord, but it was my six-year-old. So (laughs) you can just pray for me. Grace in Jesus' name. We're we're running off very little sleep here, but we got this. Okay, so this morning I want to talk to us about an epidemic, if you will, Um, And it started before COVID, but honestly, COVID just exasperated things. And it's this epidemic of loneliness and isolation. And so I want to talk about this this morning. And like I said, it was happening long before COVID began um, with our new digital age, you know, where we're getting more and more used to isolating ourselves from community And it just was exasperated by COVID. And social media, screen addiction, accessibility, mental health, all of these things have played a role in increasing numbers of people who experience loneliness and isolation. And so I wanna talk about that this morning because it's a big deal. Um, And I wanna make sure that the enemy doesn't gain any foothold in your life or my life because of this. So we're gonna open up the word. Let's turn to Proverbs 18, verse one. If you got your Bibles, Proverbs 18, verse one. I'm reading in the New King James Version, which is the best, Shane. I'm just kidding. He's like, ESV, and I'm like, New King James. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. So 18, verse one, it says, a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. 
I'm gonna read that again. A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. The NLT says, unfriendly people care only about themselves. They lash out at common sense. So I wanna talk a little bit about the dangers in isolation, both physically and spiritually, and how it will relate to us as believers. But first I wanna make a disclaimer. Um, I am not talking about moments of isolation where the Lord draws you away from people to commune with you and meet with you and have these special set aside times with you. I am all for that. There is life in that. It is biblical. I am not talking about that this morning. I am talking about a lifestyle of isolation and prolonged periods of isolation and loneliness. And so, you know, we know in Luke that it would talk about Jesus saying he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And it often talks about how Jesus would move away from the crowd to be with his father and to pray. And so it also says in Matthew 6, 6, that when we pray to go into our room and close the door and pray to our father who is unseen, what is that saying? It's saying, go into your secret place, come away with me. And so that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I wanna be very clear. Today I'm talking, like I said, about isolation that has become a lifestyle. Perhaps it's isolation that has become a defense mechanism for some of us, that has become an antidote to pain or trauma. Maybe it's just easier than living in community because who knows that community is full of other broken people that sometimes rub us the wrong way and press all our buttons. <laughs> And if I'm honest, sometimes it's just simply, we just don't wanna deal with that, right? So we just pull ourselves away from community where we don't have to be refined. We don't have to be challenged. We don't have to be held accountable. And so I like statistics, so I am going to just give us a few statistics here, but you know, these are kind of alarming to me, some of these statistics that I read. And I'm talking with lots of friends who are pastors in different churches, and it seems to be an increasing dynamic amongst believers, this issue of isolating ourselves or an issue of feeling lonely. And so we're gonna talk about that, but let's look at this. The American Psychiatric Association conducted a study and here is some of their findings. In a survey of over 20,000 adult men and women, almost half of them reported always or often feeling alone. 40% of all participants also reported that they sometimes or always feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they feel isolated. Social isolation significantly increases person's risk of premature death from all causes. A risk that may rival that of smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity. Yeah, when we isolate ourselves, we may as well be smoking a pack a day. That's what these studies are showing. It increases our risk of all premature death. Social isolation was associated with a 50% increase in the risk of dementia. 
Poor social relationships characterized by social isolation or loneliness was associated with a 29% increased risk of heart disease and a 32% increased risk of stroke. Loneliness was associated with higher risks of depression, anxiety, and suicide. These are real stats, and they're growing. And this was in adult men and women, but we are seeing this translated to even our youth today. We're seeing our youth commit suicide at an alarming rate. And it is not okay. It is not okay. And one of the ways that we can help combat that is to truly live in intentional community. So the title of this message is The Disease of Isolation. And I use that word very intentionally, disease, not haphazardly, but to paint a picture of just how detrimental isolation and loneliness can be, not just to our physical bodies, but to our spirits. So community is a lifestyle. That means like eating together, breaking bread together. See, social media can be great and you can be on all these different community pages on Facebook and you can find some level of relationship there, but it is statistically proven that those relationships, unless they result in in in-person interaction, will not be as strong, as intimate, or as life-giving as those that happen face-to-face with other people. So those are great supplemental ways that we can find community, but they cannot replace face-to-face community. They just can't because it will not fill all your needs. And God is so smart. He is so smart. You know, I'm looking at fasting and I'm actually looking at it from the biblical perspective at the moment, but also the medical perspective and how incredible the benefits of fasting is from a medical perspective. And I'm like, isn't it just like God? that he would tell us to fast, not just as a benefit to our spirit, but as a benefit to our entire being. Yeah, it's the same as community. It's not just a benefit to our physical bodies, but it's a benefit to our, to our emotional health, to our physical health, to our mental health, to our spiritual health. He is an all-encompassing God. And so when we remove parts of the Bible, like fasting, or community, and we wonder why our world or the Christian church is getting sicker and sicker, we have to begin to ask ourselves why. Did you know that the Western Christian church is the most unhealthy group of organized religion that there is? The most unhealthy group. I preached a message last year on health from a physical point of view and how we're so okay to be accountable for the words that come out of our mouths, but we're not quite okay to be accountable for what we put in our mouths, right? I know I'm like touching a sacred cow right now, but (laughs) I'm telling you, the sin of gluttony is like a little pet in the church that we have just learned to live with and we just pretend that it doesn't exist. And we're like, hey, you can keep me accountable to the Bible, but you can't keep me accountable to being healthy. But God cares about it all. Not just your spirit, not just your emotions, but He cares about your body. 
Why? Because your body in good condition, it is a vessel for the Holy Spirit and it is a soldier in the army of God. So the longer you're around, the more damage you can do to the kingdom of darkness. Amen. The greater your legacy to the generations that come behind you if you are able to be there pouring into them. All right. So one of the things about community, which we perhaps don't like, if it is it smooths out our rough edges. <laughs> and we all got some, right? We all got some of those edges that we need smoothing away. And it is only in the context of community that that happens. Okay. Isolation versus loneliness. And you may be asking, why am I interchanging these words? But isolation and loneliness they are in fact, they have the same results. But let me break it down a little bit. Loneliness is the feeling of being alone regardless of social contact. And isolation is a lack of social connections. But they both produce the same outcomes. So here, hi. Hi. So here are two ways that this concept will often manifest in our life as believers. One of them is proximity isolation. So we begin to withdraw physically from community. And it can be for a number of reasons. It can be because we're hurt. And sometimes it's just easier to stay hurt than it is to get healed and forgive. You all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it's because we've made Christianity about ourselves. And when the entertainment of church wears off, at the end of the day, it's all about us. (laughs) We've been made to feel so comfortable. So when we feel uncomfortable, we disconnect and retreat. We value being right over being in relationship. We sacrifice our, deep, our relationships for our deep need to be right. So we'll isolate ourselves because they're all wrong and I'm right. <laughs> we want to be in control. I know I do sometimes. I'm just going to be honest and maybe this is like my confession of sin right here. I want control of my home. I do, I do. I want my children to do what I asked them to do the first time I asked them to do it. I want them to pick up their toys. I want them to feed the animals. I want, I want control over my home. And it's a daily letting go that that isn't gonna happen. It's a daily surrender. But ultimately, sometimes we want control over other people. And because we can't control other people, we isolate. We can't make them think like we want them to think. Sometimes we can't make them agree with us. Oh, some worship. (laughs) Sometimes this kind of isolation, the proximity isolation, is a conscious choice, and sometimes it's subconscious. One of the other ways that we can experience isolation or loneliness and see it manifest in our lives is that we begin to wear masks when we're around people. So no one truly knows who we are. Right. 
It leads to disconnection. And we come to church sometimes pretending that we all have it together, have it all together. We give powerful prophetic words, smiles on our faces, but no one might know that at home we struggle with a pornography addiction. Right? So we'll just keep up this pretense of perfect and wear these masks, which really means like, hey, I'm not going to let you see me. I'm not going to let you know me. And the only road that that leads to is loneliness. We sometimes wear masks to hide our pain and to hide our humanity. Sometimes it's just easier to stay at home than to pretend. I know even me, for sometimes I'm like, oh, if I go to church today, everyone is not going to get smiling, happy, Renee, because I am not smiling and happy. And sometimes I'm like, <laughs> I'm trying right now, I'm trying, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's just easier to just stay at home, right? But it is not what God has called us to do. He has called us to be known by other people, not just by Him. I heard this statement that's quite controversial and will probably offend a lot of people, but before you call me a heretic, hear me out. God is not enough. He designed it that way. So I'm not offending the Lord. But He is not enough to meet all of your needs. I know, that's getting quiet. He created us for community. He created us to meet one another's needs. And of course, there are some places where we only go to Him to get that need met. Of course. But He created community very intentionally. And I want to make this statement, which I think we're all aware of, but I'm just going to remind us. There is not a single person in this room that is perfect. Whew. We're all messed up in some way, right? Doesn't that just feel good to say? Gosh, let's stop pretending, right? Let's stop pretending that we are perfect people. Jesus Christ was the only perfect man that walked this earth. So we're not perfect. We all have faults and we all have flaws. Your brokenness is not going to catch anyone off guard. Because even no matter how much we try, people know we don't have it all together. Regardless of what your social media feed may project. People know, right? People are smart. I think that that just kind of relieves some pressure though, right? Can we just get rid of some of the masks that we wear to church so that we can actually be known by people? Right? Because I don't want to know what someone is projecting. I want to know who they are. And that means the good, the bad, the ugly. All of it. You know, at the root of false pretense, trying to give off the illusion that we are something that we're not, is pride. 
because we're too scared to look weak. We're too scared not to be perfect. And that's pride. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Perhaps the pride of pretense is one of the things that is keeping us from God also. If you walk without the masks, and if you live in community authentically who you are, with a humble heart, then God will give you the grace that you need to be in community. He says it right there. He gives grace to the humble. Look, we're all at different places in our walk with Jesus, right? And so we can learn from each other. Some of us have had trauma and we've been healed. Some of us are in the midst of trauma being healed. And unfortunately, we live in this place called planet Earth where pain will happen to you. But how you walk through that pain You can either do it, you and Jesus, because he's always gonna be there with you. Or you can actually do it with fellow believers and it says in the words that we're to carry one another's burdens. It makes life so much more enjoyable and so much more sweet when people can help you carry the burdens that you have to carry in life. Look, I've been in close community since I've been a believer. But before, when I first came to the church, I was like a hot mess. I was. I was. But you know what? One thing that the first church that I ever went to drilled into me was community. You stay close. You stay close no matter how hurt you get, no matter how human people are. You stay close. And it has been uncomfortable and it has been painful, but it has been so rewarding and so life-giving that I honestly can't imagine doing life with some of the people, without some of the people that the Lord has placed in my life. Because I feel known. I feel known. But listen, I wanna challenge you to be in close community because that is where healing and growth happens. It's where healing and growth happens. And can I just make this statement that attending church does not mean that you're in community. Attending church does not mean that you're in community. Doing life with someone, it means you're worshiping with fellow believers and it is amazing and I believe it is what Jesus commanded us to do as believers. But being in community is getting in each other's homes, getting in the mess of each other's lives. And I tell you, if we can't find time for that, then we better find time for dying. Right? If you can't find time for that, all of those things, depression, anxiety, obesity, all of these things that are the symptoms are the result of a life of isolation, Let's ask ourselves, do we have time to meet our neighbors for dinner? Or do we have time to go to chemotherapy for 12 weeks? I'm just saying, (laughs) like we gotta find time 
We have to find time to do community. Nothing in your life is more important than your worship and relationship to Jesus and second to that, to the people around you. Your work isn't that important. Your title, your money isn't that important. None of it is as important as the community that God gives you. And look, you can sit in a room full of people and still be alone. And I think that's the danger that we often find ourselves in church these days is we sit in rooms full of people but, but end up feeling lonely at the end of the day. You know, God alone is our healer, of course. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But guess what? He uses other people to heal us too. James 5, 16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now we love to quote that portion of scripture, right? You'll hear it all the time in church. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. But how often do you hear confess your trespasses to one another? Because that's what precedes that verse. When was the last time you sat down with a friend and was like, I just gotta get this off my chest. Here are some areas where I am struggling. This, I snapped at my kids. I lashed out at them in anger the other day and I don't wanna be that person. I started looking at my coworker inappropriately and I wanna make sure that my marriage is solid. I started looking at pornography and I wanna be free of that addiction. I've started going out to clubs and drinking just a little bit too much. Like enough, not enough to say that I'm not Christian. I mean, I'm just tipsy, right? When was the last time you sat across the table from a brother and sister and confessed your sins? I wonder if some of our healing that we're waiting to manifest in our body is being held up by the fact that we haven't confessed our sins to one another. James reminds us that mutual confession and prayer brings healing both physically and spiritually. Confession to another in the body of Christ is essential because sin will demand to have us to itself isolating us from others. But confession breaks the power of secret sin. You know, real deep, genuine confession of sin has been the feature of every genuine awakening and great revival of the past 250 years. It's not anything new though. It's in Acts as well, like it's in the Bible. Right, Acts 19, it says, many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. So they were getting right with God and getting right with people. God can do it on his own, but he doesn't want to. We were designed for relationship with God and with people. In Genesis 2.18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. 
And John 17, 11, now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world that, and I may come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those who you have given me that they may be as one, as we are. See, the gospel and all of scripture for that matter reinforces the truth that you and I were designed for community. God did not create create us to be isolated beings. Okay. See, the church is obviously different than any other social gathering that you may attend or social club that you may belong to because we are Christ's very body. We can read it in 1 Corinthians, talking about how we are different parts of the body, but we all play a role. We are the body of Christ. And the the word in the New Testament for fellowship is koinonia. And it means that as Christians, we share a deep communion with one another and actively engage in life together. I wanna say that again, actively engage in life together. Okay, here's a great reason why you need community. Because you'll be crazy without it. Right? Now, this is not a blanket statement. Hear that, this is not a blanket statement. But you all have met those people that you're like, oh, you were homeschooled. You didn't have any social interaction as child. There's a ton of homeschool people that had social interaction and they are normal and they're like, great. But you find those people and you know what I'm talking about. I homeschool one of my son, nothing against homeschooling. I'm just saying we do our best to put them into social environments. Why? So they're not awkward, right? We put them around other people so they're not weird. Without that social interaction, we become weird people. Sometimes we, we're like, well, we're intercessors. Just in the closet with the Lord all day, all night. Your gifting does not give you a free pass to isolate from other people. I want to say that very clearly. Nor does your personality type. You're not exempt from engaging community if you're an introvert. In fact, you may need community more. Joaquin is like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. (laughs) I mean, you know, you've been around people who are kind of socially awkward. We have, you don't have to, you don't have to nod. I know in your hearts, you know what I'm talking about. I know you're with me. (laughs) You get me, right? Um, Okay, so is... Has anyone watched this TV show called Alone? Yeah? All right. I got into this TV show because Joaquin started watching it. And so I just, he would talk to me about it and he'd be like, this is crazy. This man came up behind a deer and like stabbed him. And, the, and I'm like, what are you watching? And so like, I'm like, okay, I've got I've to watch this. I don't, I don't like hunting or anything like that. Um, but anyway... They get these contestants and they usually start with about 10 contestants and they they give them like GoPros and like videos and they've got to um, document their journey and this is the show. So it's kind of like a 
It's a reality show and the person who lasts in the wilderness the longest gets a certain amount of money. And so, I mean, this is a cool show. When you start watching it, you can very much fall under the illusion that you would survive out there. I was like, oh, oh, tap me in, coach. I can do this. I can totally like string up a bear with a branch and, you know, you just kind of get these... You get these false illusions that you can do it. But anyway, they put them in the wilderness. Oftentimes it's in Alaska or it's Canada and it's heading into the winter season. They're allowed to choose like 10 things that they can take with them. So like a knife or a bow and arrow. I'm like, I want a gun. Like you're not allowed guns, but which in every other area of my life I am for. Um, Anyways. I know I'm in Texas, but anyway, I am Australian at heart. So I'm not like a gun person, but if you're going to put me in the wilderness of Alaska, I want a gun, you know? Like, and they're just like, good luck. And these people have to fish and they have to make their own nets. They have to make their own houses and shelter. They have to make their own like heat sources. And some of these people are so amazing at it. I'm just in awe of how they can make it all happen. Um, You know, and some of them, they end up tapping out because they get injured. And some of them end up tapping out because they're malnourished and they haven't found enough food to sustain them through it. But you know, there are a lot that tap out because the isolation becomes too much for them. They're in there sometimes for up to 100 days. I believe that was the record, 100 days without talking to people. Like they go crazy, You should see some of the little videos they start doing to themselves because they're just going crazy. They don't have people around them. They don't have people to just be like, "Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't do that. Like, you know, and we all need those people in our lives. So I don't know. I want to join. Like, I want to go on that show. I just... Like, I can start a fire. So I'm like, I'm confident I could... I could last like at least a week, you know? At least a week. That's what I'd go for. Anyway, <laughs> Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. See, we need sharpening. We need accountability. We need maturing and we need growth. All of us. doesn't matter if you're seven or 70. All of us. And things happen Those things happen when you intentionally put yourself in community. Your rough edges become smooth when you bump up against people who will love you enough to tell you the truth. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I'm gonna say that again. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. See, in our culture, we actually want the kisses. We're heaping up kisses all over here because actually our real friends, they keep rebuking us. And we don't want that. So I'm just gonna get new friends who think the same, who don't challenge me, who don't hold me to a high standard, who don't ask me like, hey, when was the last time you were in the Word of God? When was the last time you prayed? So I'm just gonna go get these new friends who'll let me stay comfortable leading this mediocre Christian life because I'm comfortable here. I tell you, those friends, those friends 
will lead you on a path of deception. A true friend is a friend who is willing to correct you because they love you too much for you to stay where you are. That's what a true friend is. When they correct you lovingly and when they are willing to speak the truth, faithful are the wounds of a friend. They will sharpen you. But listen, if we get offended every time a friend tells us something, then we will begin to isolate ourselves from that friend. It's just a little bit too uncomfortable being around them. Everyone okay? We good? You know that statement, misery loves company? It's very true. You know what else is true? Trauma loves trauma. And brokenness attracts brokenness. You attract what you are. It's why if you see a troubled teen, you're not just like, okay, we're just gonna pump you full of encouragement and tell you to keep hanging around with the same people you're hanging around with. No, you try to remove them from the bad influences, right? You try to surround them with people who think and have the same moral conduct that you have and that you want your child to have, right? But we have to realize that when we have unresolved trauma in our lives, we will often attach ourselves to other people who have unresolved trauma. And we'll just go over here and have a pity party together. We might even start our own church. (laughs) Scary. We'll call it a home church because that's what they did in the biblical times. Right. I have nothing against home churches, by the way. I I really don't. I think that, you know, home churches are great. But I don't think they're great if they're birthed out of two people complaining. Or a group of people who just want to get together and share their gripes about every church that they've been to, you know. You have to choose community that loves you and you have to stay in community. Now, if God calls you out of a church, He calls you out. But I would venture to say, if God is calling you out of a church every 12 months, it's not God. Oh, but God's just shifting me over here. God's shifting me over here. I just feel God on this. No, you don't want to be known. You don't want people to see the junk that you're trying to hide. And when you keep hitting a wall, instead of asking like, hey, what is this wall I keep hitting? Why can't I grow here? Instead of asking those questions, it's like, oh, no, I'm just going to go where it's easier. Where people see me for my true potential and see the call of God on my life. Church hopping has become an epidemic in the Western world. We have too many choices sometimes. I'm just gonna be honest, I'm just gonna say it bluntly, you are never going to find a church where you feel 100%, where you're being fulfilled 100% and have no complaints about. You're never gonna find it, it doesn't exist. You know that old saying, the grass is always greener? on the other side, but the grass is actually greener where you water it, right? 
The grass is not greener at another church is because you haven't watered the community and the church. Now, I'm not saying if you're in a church that's super controlling and doing a whole bunch of demonic stuff and preaching heretical theology that you shouldn't get out of there and run fast. I'm not saying that, right? I'm talking to the people who they're going from church to church to good church to good church to good church to good church. It's not the churches that are the issue, right? The common denominator in all of that is us. So we have to get to a point where we're willing to plant ourselves in community long enough to hear the hard truths and receive them and work on them. Otherwise, we're just gonna go from one place to another. And I don't believe you will fulfill the call of God on your life when you do that. A true friend will tell you how your choice of words or communication affected them and is affecting the people around you. And then we have the option whether we take that and change and grow or whether we say, oh, well, I'm not really concerned. I'll just go find someone else that my abrasiveness doesn't offend. Right, Galatians six one two, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you will live. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. Get this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. This is not just a good idea. This is a law of Christ. Okay, community protects you. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion and seeking whom he may devour. See, lions attack prey, the prey that is the most vulnerable. And the most vulnerable are often the ones that have been separated from the pack. That's easy hunting for a lion. Being in a herd, strength in numbers makes a difference. So if you feel like perhaps you've been in a level of isolation or loneliness later and you're just getting battered by the enemy, God might be inviting you to step into community where you got people who have got your back. There is strength in numbers. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. This is Joaquin's favorite part. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? He reminds me of that. <laughs> He's like, I'm cold. I'm like, That's a good one, husbands or wives. <laughs> I was, I was talking to him about this last night. He's like, preach it. <laughs> anyway, though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord, cord is not easily broken. This is not just a scripture for weddings meant between husband and wives. It's actually a scripture meant for a relationship, for friendships as well. You have those friends in life. I hope that you have some. Do you got some friends who have got your back? Yeah, I mean, I got some friends that I'm like, oh, you messed, you messed with my friend? You messed with my friend, you messed with me. 
You know, like you need those people. Not that we're getting into physical fights and we're not gonna, you know. <laughs> but just in case, I'm ready. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But like, there are some friends in my life that I'm like, if they're going down, I'm going down with them. Because I've tied my life to them. And I don't mean going down into sin and all that kind of stuff. I mean, if, if something's coming against them, I'm, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna fight for them. I'm gonna get in the ring. I am gonna go to prayer. I'm gonna do whatever I need to, to make sure that they are not alone in that fight. And we all need those people. Two are better than one. All right. I have no minutes. Um, Let me just quickly go through. Okay, sometimes community takes time. Can I just say that? Sometimes you might be coming to church for a few months and that's okay before you find community. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you meet someone and we're like, oh, you and I, we're like BFFs forever. You have those occasionally, you know, but not very often, right? A lot of times connection and community, it's gonna take intentional work on our part. Here is the good news. Psalm 68, the Lord says, God sets the lonely in families. God sets the lonely in families. If you're willing to be truly known and if you're willing to put in the work and build community in your life, your life will be so much richer. Your work for the kingdom will be so much more effective. Every part of your life will be better. I guarantee. Even in the pain of it all, it's worth it. We are not meant to do life alone. You know, Matthew 18, 20 says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. You know, the context of that, the preceding, the, what, I'm blanking. The scriptures that come before that, the verses, they're talking about brave communication, actually. Like, that's the context. They're talking about, like, if you're having a quarrel with someone, bring another person along to be in that. And in the midst of two or three, He's with them. Take your work, like take your concerns about someone to that person. Can we just all like agree that we can do better at that? Right? Like if we've got an issue with someone, can we just talk to that person? Because look, I've had cases built against me. You've probably had cases built against you. But how much more effective is it when you have a connection with someone and they are willing to come to you and say something to your face? Oftentimes that results in greater levels of connection than it actually does in disconnection. We fear offending people and the disconnection. But actually brave communication done well, which means honoring the person that you're speaking to, it actually is designed to create greater connection, not disconnection. Listen, we have to enter into community because no one is gonna do it for you. Now we have life groups, we have youth groups, we have men's ministry, we have women's ministry, we have all these ministries available, but no one can make you be in community. No one except you, even, no, not even your pastor. (laughs) 
You have to. Let's not get weird, people. Let's not be those weird Christians. Like, let's be in community. Let's be thriving spiritually. Let's go up against the devil together instead of doing it alone. Amen. And let's be healthy. All right. Can everyone stand up for me? I want to pray for a few people this morning and I want to invite the ministry team to come up the front and we're going to pray. But Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.